Hey, welcome to BIV Today, the daily business news podcast from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. We've got a solid lineup today, but before we get there, a few events to tell you about. First up, October 2nd at the Vancouver Club. That is Navigating the U.S. for Business. We have an expert panel all about the best practices amidst, let's say, some geopolitical challenges going on right now. And October 9th at the Vancouver Club as well, it's Cannabis Year One, where an expert panel examines the opportunities and challenges, as well as insights into what will be the next steps for this industry Go to BIV.com slash events for more details. And today, Kirsten Sutton from SAP Labs Canada, she joins the show to talk about a new campaign to make British Columbia an even more inclusive workplace for people with disabilities. She has all the details about why this matters and how they're going to accomplish that. Then later on, Canadian Business Growth Fund CEO George Rosalados, he offers insights into what makes BC a unique ecosystem for investing in companies. In his company's case, they just launched last year and they're based in Toronto. They've already put $30 million just about into BC companies. Before we get there though, let's speak to Kirsten Sutton. So this week, 25 companies launched a unique campaign to make workplaces in British Columbia more inclusive for people with disabilities. And here to delve into this pledge, it's Kirsten Sutton. She's Vice President and Managing Director of SAP Labs Canada. She's also the co-chairwoman of President's Group. This is the group behind the campaign. Kirsten, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I didn't want to like give it away, but what exactly does President's Group have in mind for this campaign that you guys have launched this week? Well, we launched this week the Pledge to Measure, we're calling it. Uh, We are 25 business leaders here in BC, and our goal is to make this province the best province for people, for employment for people with disabilities. So we are really pushing that needle. Our vision is for BC to have the highest employment rate for people with disabilities. And one way we're going to start to really push that momentum is to make people aware of what our businesses are doing, pledge to measure three uh, different things, and make sure they're very public so others can see what we're doing and follow us on this journey. So what are you guys going to be measuring? You mentioned three things. Tell me a little bit about that. So first of all, the number of employees that we have in our organization. So the president's group right now employs about 50,000 people. And our goal to make BC the best place for people with disabilities employment, it's going to mean another 51,000 people uh, to be employed here with disabilities in this province. So first of all, we're going to, how many people? Second, how many people with disabilities are in our organization? And third, how many people with disabilities self-identify in the senior leadership? So there's going to be a lot more transparency for the public moving forward. Anybody anxious? I mean, you get these results. Um, you look at them. Some people might be like, wow, I, I didn't realize we weren't performing as well as maybe we thought we would. Um, what are people going to be able, what are companies going to be able to do with these results when they, once they come in, I think, in June of 2020? Well, as everybody knows, as soon as you measure something, you can take a look at it, baseline where you are, and figure out what you can do to change those numbers. So the hope is that everybody will understand what the situation is in each of their businesses and what the path forward is for them to hire more people with disabilities. So thinking about this group, though, I I mean, is it an underrepresented group here in British Columbia, the people with disabilities, and just getting them into the workforce? Absolutely. Uh, The stats say that it's only 60% employment rate for people with disabilities versus 
80% for those without. And so it's definitely a talent pool that is underrepresented. They are underemployed or unemployed. Um, they're also very educated. They're ready to work and want to work. And so this we really need this to change. We have a lot of open roles. We have a lot of businesses that are looking for talent. And this is a talent pool ready and willing to work. Well, and that's just it. I mean, I mean, to be maybe cold hearted to a certain degree, there is like an economic case that that can be made to a lot of these businesses too. Absolutely. That's the case for us at SAP. The reason we started to look into the disability talent pool is because we really have open roles that we can't fill. Uh, ultimately, the business case is clearly there for us to find talent, but it's also there from a productivity standpoint. We run a program called Autism at Work, where we're hiring people on the autism spectrum into our business. And these employees are amazing. They're very productive. They're extremely loyal to the organization. And they're really upping the game for everybody else, <laughs> right? They come in and it changes the culture. We have different ways to to uh, speak to each other. We have to be careful on nuance and how we are clear with directions. It's changed everybody's business. It's changed the culture and the productivity is second to none. Well, I'm so glad you brought up that example because I've heard about it in the past and it seems like such an amazing initiative. Um, but if we think about the resources maybe you guys have at your disposal, are there going to be some challenges for some of the smaller organizations that are interested in coming on board? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, I think this is probably the biggest myth we want to bust on the president's group. And I believe one thing we're going to start to see when the measurements go public is that the smaller businesses actually are far and away doing better oh. than larger businesses. And people always say, oh, it's easy for you, SAP, large organization. You have all these resources. You know, my company, I have five people. I don't even have an HR department. But I think you're going to see some of the smaller businesses are upwards of 50% hiring people with disabilities into their ranks versus the larger organizations, it takes a long time for us to move and change process in a big organization. So I think it's going to be really surprising. Uh, I think it's our small businesses and thank goodness, because most of BC is small business and they're the ones that are really going to move the needle. So what you're saying is uh, easier to turn the motorboat than it is the cruise ship at times. Correct. Right? Okay. <laughs> exactly. So at this, I mean, do you think you can kind of get an impetus going for other organizations to come on board? They see that, you know, we've got these 25 business le business leaders here in British Columbia. They're in on this. Um, but do you think there might be a wait and see approach? Like look at the first results from your guys' data. What are your ultimate goals with regards to this program? Well, in 2013, we started the President's Group, and it has 25 members. And it's very clear to us that the 50,000 employees we represent is not going to get us to our target of being the best uh, province in, in the country for people with disabilities employment. So very clear that we needed to extend. So last year in 2018, we created what's called the Community of Accessible Employers. This is our way to extend past the 25 members of the President's Group to hopefully every business in B.C., and so our hope is that we continue to share very openly what we're doing in the president's group more and more broadly, we'll be able to grow that community of accessible employers. That's ultimately the goal. We have case studies to share with them. We have information. We have connections to the disability community to help them take this journey with us. So our goal is the more visible and more awareness we build, the more people will join and the more businesses will hire people with disabilities. So I'm curious, uh, maybe you can illuminate me and some of our listeners as well, but when you guys launched in 2013, what, what was the mandate for the president's group? Well, I wasn't there at the time, but it was it was to help really very at the very beginning to help with legislation. Uh, 
So to look at and support the government and be a business voice for the government when legislation was brought forward within these areas of, of accessibility. Um, but as it morphed, it was very clear that the biggest thing business could do is help with employment. I mean, that's what we do. We have businesses, we employ people um, in the province, and this is the way we could move the needle the most to help people in this province. So that's how we've changed. And now we're very focused on that single target is how do we make this province the best province for employment for people with disabilities. So let's say I'm a, a company. I see what you guys are doing here. Maybe what's the next step for me towards getting involved with a campaign like this? So if you go to our website, it's accessibleemployers.ca. You can go in there and there's several ways to get involved. One is, is just to peruse the site. Uh, you can go in and say, I'm a small business. I'm in this industry. I'm looking to, to work in this area. I'm interested in recruiting or I'm actually interested in retention. I'm interested in a certain disability. There's ways for you to navigate the website and get information that will hopefully take you to a place where you can then start, start the process. You can also right there sign up to be in the community of accessible employers. Um, you can also read the case studies and listen to some videos and see what some of the other businesses are doing. So lots of ways on the website, accessibleemployers.ca. That's the way you can get started. Uh, Kirsten, I'm, I'm so glad we have the president's group leading this initiative. I think it's a very important thing for the province and for all employees and employers here. So uh, thank you for joining us and talking to us all about this. Well, thank you for having me. That's Kirsten Sutton, Vice President, Managing Director of SAP Labs Canada and the co-chair of the president's group. Stay with us, George Rosalato, CEO of the Canadian Business Growth Fund. He joins us next. Our guest today is George Rosalados. He is CEO of the Canadian Business Growth Fund. Since its launch a relatively short time ago, the CBGF has invested nearly $30 million in BC-based companies. So it's a good opportunity to find out what makes this province a unique investment opportunity. George, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. So let's run down uh, these three organizations here in BC, Lyft Auto Group in Kelowna, Send to News in Victoria, and Appnovation here in Vancouver. They're all doing very different things. So tell me a little bit from your perspective, what's the appeal of these companies and why are you looking at British Columbia so uh, intently right now? Thank you for asking. The, British Columbia is a hotbed of entrepreneurship in Canada, and it's creating a disproportionately large number of the SMEs that are generated in Canada and creating a disproportionately large number of, of job creation. Um, and, and the SME sector is, is, uh, is creating a huge percentage of new net jobs in Canada. And so that's an area that the Canadian Business Growth Fund is focused on. And as a result, we spent a quite a bit of time in BC. And our, our first investment was in Kelowna. And as you mentioned, it was, it's called Lyft Auto Group. And it's two great young entrepreneurs that are making acquisitions in the auto collision repair space. And we thought that, you know, we love the story. Um, these, these two gentlemen, um, Brad Kopp, Mark Reineking, grew up in the industry. Um, Mark's dad was in the space and, and they've come by it honestly and, and really saw an opportunity and, and we want to back them and they want to create a large national player right out of Kelowna. And that was our first investment. And our, our next British Columbian investment was a company called Santa News, which is based in Victoria, British Columbia. And Matthew Watson, the CEO, again, is trying to create a global success story right out of Victoria. And they 
are in an online distributor of, of sports clips. So they have agreements with the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, uh, CFL, uh, PGA, you name it. They've done a wonderful amount of work to to create agreements with these major sporting institutions in, in the world. And, and they are um, serving up the sports clips in real time to news organizations that want to write about sporting events. And, and they're doing it right out of Victoria. And, uh, and finally, we, our most recent British Columbian investment is a Vancouver-based company called Appnovation. And Arnold Lung is the founder. And he started this business right out of uh, university, right out of UBC, and thought that he could help companies with their digital strategies and it's morphed into a global player in multiple countries um, across uh, not only across Canada but with offices in the UK and, and other um, other countries and they're helping companies such as Pfizer with their digital strategies and their go to market and their uh, and their customer engagement through the web and and done a fantastic job and you know the commonality between these three situations is we've got three fairly young, uh, up-and-coming, ambitious management teams that needed some minority capital to grow. And in all these cases, uh, the the current investor group stayed in control of the company. The company stayed Canadian-based, and we're helping them with capital and, and some guidance and support and, and a made-in-Canada solution to help these companies grow to become national and maybe even global players. So what is your mandate as an organization and, and how does that influence, you know, why you're looking at specific companies? So our, our mandate is to help Canadian companies grow. And specifically, we want to help them think bigger and achieve their full potential and not sell prematurely. One of the phenomenons we, we've seen over the years, and, and in my experience, I, I've seen many, many times, is that on, an entrepreneur can take a company to a certain level and then they're faced with the dilemma of do they take on an investor and give up control? Or do they just sell the whole company? And a lot of times, the the, the entrepreneur persona doesn't allow them to, to have a boss. You know, they, they look at it and say, well, you know what? If I'm going to sell the majority, I'll sell the whole thing. And too often, these companies are sold before they reach their full potential. And our goal is to provide a, an option where the entrepreneur can, A, stay in control of the business, B, have a long-term partner that's not in a three- to five-year investment cycle. Um, our fund is, is evergreen, so we, we don't have to force them to sell. And C, bring some help to the table to get them through the scale-up challenge of, of getting from a small company to a big company. Do you have any theories as to why maybe there is this tendency within you know Canada to maybe exit a little bit too early? It is something that we observe. Do you think it's, it's a cultural thing or do you think that if we're just looking at maybe kind of uh, global competition, it is hard to go up against you know maybe these giants in Silicon Valley? It's a great question and I'm not sure that there's a clear answer, but I do think that it's it's too much for us to expect for someone who started a small business not that long ago to instantly be a, an expert at running a large business and 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 seamlessly glide into from small to large. I, I think that sometimes we let our entrepreneurs down where we expect them to to be battle tested to run a public company or to run a you know hundred million or two hundred million dollar company, but they need support and mentorship and. Uh, um, you know, and, and thoughtful leadership along the way. And I think the with the Canadian Business Growth Fund, you know, we're, we're not only bringing the minority capital in the longer term perspective, but we're trying to bring, help them compose the right board, help them have people around them that have done acquisitions, that have integrated acquisitions, that have scaled companies where they can learn from them. And, and we, want to, we want to create 
the knowledge circle around these entrepreneurs so that they can, what we call the scale-up challenge, they can navigate that scale-up challenge and become battle-tested for the bigger stage. And so I think too many times we're not supporting these entrepreneurs and they look at it and they the, the challenge is formidable and in terms of getting to the next level and they decide to uh, to hand in the keys and sell it and, and take their money off the table. What we do, what we want to do is encourage these entrepreneurs to maybe take a bit of money off the table, but stay in the driver's seat, be be open to some coaching and some help and with, with a partner like us, keep going and think about the next five years, the next 10 years, and the next 15 years because the the private equity investment cycle is a three to five year cycle generally. You know, companies come in and they start start thinking about an exit in three to five years. And um, you know, great companies are not built in three to five years. And yeah. the, the major brands that we, we all know have been built over 10 years, 15 years or longer. And we hope to embolden entrepreneurs to stay in the game longer, knowing that they've got the help to grow and, and to learn to become seasoned CEOs at the higher level. Well, one of the other strategies that a company might have if they just want to gain access to capital is seeking out, say, an initial public offering. What's your take on where we are right now, especially with regards to maybe some of the tech companies in Canada? I, I know there's been some hemming and hawing, especially since the oil shock of uh, 2014, but I don't know what, what kind of options exist right now for people thinking about an IPO if they want access to capital to help boost growth at their organization. So the IPO market has has declined every decade in the last three decades, and and you know the, the number of IPOs is, is stunningly low um, compared to what they used to be. I, I believe last year there were eight eight IPOs, um, give or take. And, and and what's happening, I think, is that smaller companies are being are being pushed to go public sooner than they would otherwise be asked to go public, and it's creating a number of stranded what we call stranded illiquid companies on the TSXV, for example, where they go public, it's great, they raise that capital, but then they become underfollowed because they're so small, the float is too, is too little to actually be, be on the radar screen of, of any institutions, it's traded by appointment, and then they're stuck. The stock price languishes and they can't raise further capital because they can't do that, because the dilution would be substantial, and they're stuck as an illiquid uh, public company. And, and so our goal is to keep those companies growing for a little bit longer, make them more a battle tested and, and have the appropriate board and governance structure, but be just bigger where that float that, that eventually comes from an IPO is large enough that an institution is following it. They have analysts following them. They can raise more capital. So I, I do think we're seeing some public initial public, public offerings. I tend to think they're happening too soon, too early. And, and I, I think that we have a, a role to play in helping these companies get bigger and, and get to the next stage where they be, they can become bona fide liquid public companies. Well, one of the strategies that you mentioned with regards to that, though, is offering this sort of mentorship to a lot of these younger entrepreneurs or maybe people that are still in their first company at this point. Um, when you guys are, are offering this mentorship, though, I mean, what, what are you hearing from some of these entrepreneurs? Like, what are some of the common challenges that we're facing maybe in BC or, or maybe Canada as a whole? Well, it's it's an interesting question. You know, the the challenges really range. We, we've met an entrepreneur that we've invested in where, you know, they were so happy that we wanted them to stay in Canada in their in in Saskatoon and build from there, um, because they they'd had U.S. investors approach them saying, you know, we'll invest in you, but we want you to move your headquarters. And you know, we're pr we're a proud Canadian firm. We we want our companies to stay in Canada and grow. And, and so that the challenge that you wouldn't think of, but is 
staying in your location while taking on on capital has has arisen, um, which is which is interesting. But overall, we're seeing the companies we're backing. We've backed eight so far in Canada, three of which are in BC. The entrepreneurs are open to help and guidance, and a lot of them haven't done creative acquisitions before. A lot of them haven't built built boards and and created governance structures. A lot of them haven't created performance management systems for their employees. A lot of them haven't assessed their internal talent to see where their talent gaps are. A lot of them haven't tackled the the, uh, challenge of adding a a whole layer of of management across the entire company and and what the challenges are associated with that. So we're helping companies with all of those examples at this point in time. Some of them don't have the connections to attract the right board members, for example. You know, we're, we recently helped one of our investing companies attract a, a fairly high profile chair for their board. And, and that will be announced shortly, but it's something that they probably wouldn't have been able to do without it. So I, I think we're looking for um, the spots where we can add value. We want the entrepreneurs to be the ones that are experts in running their business. We don't want to, um, get intertwined with their day-to-day operations and they don't want us to either. However, there's a lot of value add we can bring as a minority investor to these companies that are, that are looking to grow. Well, I, I didn't actually realize that almost half of your investments were in BC companies, uh, three out of the eight, as you said uh, a moment ago. Is there something kind of interesting about BC? Is it just a fluke? I'm just wondering if there's like something going on here on the West Coast where maybe we're, we're a little bit further removed from, you know, kind of a central Canada that maybe people think outside the box in a different sort of manner. What's your take on the kind of the BC spirit here? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the BC labor force is very entrepreneurial. You know, there, there are a few stats that I've, I gave a talk recently in, in Vancouver and Ninety-four percent of the private sector labor force is employed in the SME category, and, and it's five percent higher than the rest of the country. And you know, British Columbia in from two thousand and thirteen to two thousand and seventeen, British Columbian-based SMEs created almost a quarter of all net new jobs in Canada over that period. And you know, there there's a disproportionate number of uh, immigrant entrepreneurs in, in British Columbia. They're starting a disproportionately higher number of companies in British Columbia. And it's just a buoyant market, and and I think that you know it's an underserved market with respect to capital, and we really wanted to focus on on British Columbia as a target. We are, our mandate is across Canada, so we hope over time to have investments in all provinces. We're only just over a year old since launch, so we're we've invested in three provinces with operations with companies that have operations in five of the provinces, and we're working at expanding that. But BC has been particularly interesting to us and we hope to to continue that trend and we all we're also proud that we're we're not all in one city we're in vancouver victoria and, and Kelowna. so we're we're proud that we've um we've broadened uh, our our investment base in, in british columbia beyond one city well i tell you what george as you look more to investments in bc as you stack up uh, let's get you back on the show and uh, keep updating us on where we stand as a province and as a country as a whole for a lot of these kinds of interesting investment opportunities but thank you for joining us on the show today really appreciate it thank you very much and that was george rosalados and that is it for the show today you can find our archives on apple Podcasts and stitcher So please tell a friend, I'm Tyler Orton, and we'll be back on Friday.